Welcome. You're listening to the Dr. Pat Show with award-winning host Dr. Pat Basili, and I'm not Dr. Pat. I'm Julie Dittmar, guest host for today's show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By, and I hope you are thriving today. Thanks for tuning in. And since we're going to be spending a little time together, I thought it would be good to share just a little bit about why I'm here with you today. My background is as an imagery guide and a sound healer. I'm also a spiritual teacher and intuitive healer, along with my partner, Matt Kahn, and our company, True Divine Nature. We are very much in alignment with Dr. Pat and her guests, and like this radio show, we assist people just like you in opening their hearts and minds to deeply know how magnificent we all are, and I just, I really hope that that you know that and have even a deeper sense of that by the end of today's show. Our guest today is Rara Avis, and he is doing exactly that through his music. He is helping to open hearts around the world. L.A. Yoga Magazine calls him a musical mastermind. As a composer, musician, and sound healer, he weaves together the most amazing world rhythms, melodies, and harmonies, and truly ignites the heart, and definitely inspires more cool and funky dance grooves out there in the world, too, I believe. So... And you've probably been hearing his music for years on yoga DVDs already. I'm sure you're already familiar with his music. And he's been working with with Shiva Ray and other groups, solo work, and then groups like Desert Dwellers and Shaman's Dream, which is played at yoga studios all across the country. It is lush. It is ambient soundscapes, trance and ecstatic dance music. It is absolutely yummy. From the moment I heard the first note, I was... Uh, a huge fan. So, Rara Avis, what a pleasure and welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for the uh, the really warm welcome. I really appreciate it. It's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I discovered your music a couple of months ago. Uh, your new album was at Borders, and I'm very much into devotional chant in the Kirtan world, and I know that you are too. Yeah. And you remixed Jai Utah's music from his past, I believe it was four albums. Yeah. into a new CD called Dial M for Mantra. Yeah. Phenomenal. Tell us about that, how you created this. How did this come about? Well, it came about, Jai was one of the first really big influences for me as far as somebody who was fusing uh, Eastern traditional uh, music, mostly from India, um, you know, folk music, as, as it's known over there as Kirtan. Um, and he was writing it with a Western kind of funk rock approach. Uh, I think the first time I heard him was in the mid-1990s. He had a record called Shiva Station, and it was just like the best of Western songwriting with with, uh, this really beautiful devotional uh, aspect to it. So I fell in love with his music right away, and it was never in my head at the time that I would get to work with him, but once I moved to L.A. and from uh, from Canada and started kind of seeing how closely connected this world of, of sort of Western devotion fusion was, um, I realized I could reach out to him and meet him and become friends with him and ultimately get uh, permission to take one of his songs and do uh, what's known in my world as a remix. And a remix ultimately means that with the artist's pre- permission you get the original parts of a song all separated out so you get each drum part and you know the keyboard parts the guitar parts the vocal parts all separated 
and you basically listen through to what really turns you on, what, what you're really resonating with yourself, and you take those parts and then you write a whole new song. And usually that means adding uh, new drums, new bass, new keys, and also treating the existing parts with um, various different techniques that are more cutting edge as far as technology goes, so using a lot of different right. types of effects and, and, and manipulating the sounds so that they're different but still very much related to the original. And uh, for me, I love to dance, so it almost, almost always has a, a feeling of dance infused into it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, when I first heard it, it was like, I, my body wants to move to this. I, I want to, you know, where is a dance floor that plays this kind of music that I can, can, can move like this to? It's, it is very much ecstatic and, it's, and devotional, truly. Yeah, and I mean, my most ecstatic moments in Kirtan have been, I'm up on my feet, you know, cruising around the room, just dancing my behind off. So I really wanted to find a great way to to infuse those peak moments of, of kirtan with with uh, the dance scene. And dance music in general has a lot of devotion woven into it, but rarely do we get the chance with English lyrics to, um, to create that devotional field because mantra is Sanskrit is such a... There's so much devotion woven into it that it's, it's a really great place to kind of meet those two together. Exactly. You have the, you have the power of the history and the kind of lineage of of, of the words and the, and the sounds and the feelings already yeah. by the time it gets to you 5,000 years later. Yeah. So did you get to pick the, the pieces? Did you did you sit down with Jayatal and say, oh, all right, I like this, I'm going to take that? Do you get to choose? Because it seems like you take like a sentence at a time kind of. It's like here's here's a lyrical line that I really like to work around and here's what I want to repeat and... Here's what I can kind of add a little, you know, hip hop you know, beat to and make it this. Do you do you get to choose? Does it give you kind of free reign on what to what to do with that? Yeah, it's quite free. Um, you know, after I'd picked the songs that I felt I wanted to to uh, work with the most, it's then pretty much up to me as long as I maintain the integrity and the actual meaning of the Sanskrit and if if I ever did something where I maybe cut off uh, a sentence uh, without really knowing it and most of the chants I knew already so I was sure. fairly aware of where it was okay to cut and where it wasn't <laughs> sure. if, if I made a mistake like that then Jai would let me know but otherwise it was up to me as to what I felt was really uh, something that I wanted to use and, and, and splice to my liking, which was a great, great privilege to be able to take that and just do whatever you want with it, really. Such creative freedom, absolutely. And you were calling this, I loved this. You were calling this, and I think it's a new term or your term, Kirtronica. Yeah. Kirtan and Electronica. So yeah. how, did, how did that kind of come up for you? Well, you know, electronic music has a, a part of its uh, path has been constantly coming up with new genres, um, and the genres are, are named or dubbed by the people that create them, and they're basically adopted then by the listeners. And, and you know, some of the first were fairly basic house, techno. Uh, you know, from that, there's come just an an inordinate number of subgenres that if you're keeping up with the times, you sort of understand what that means. Um, and so, I, you know, there's really nothing like this in the electronic world. There's not very many people that are taking devotional music, particularly kirtan, and mixing it, uh, you know, with 
the cutting-edge electronic sound. So I wanted to make sure that anybody who was an electronic music fan would kind of have something to chew on as far as the genre. And that, thankfully, just popped in my head. And, you know, I knew it had something. I wanted the word kirtan in there somehow. Right. Um, and the fact that uh, it, it ended up being Kirtronica was just a, a thankful blessing one day as I was sitting around staring at the sunshine. So Rara Avi's Kirtronica, folks, you, you heard it here first. Right. <laughs> so when you see it at the music store or online, you can remember where, where it came from. Yeah. So, and I know that your music, the, when I saw uh, Dial M for Mantra, is carried by Sounds True. How did you get them excited about this? How did they get into the loop of, of carrying this? Because it seems like it's, it's, I mean, it's really hip and really groovy. Is, is this a new direction for them? And how did they get excited about the, the whole idea of it and the, and the title of it? I love that. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of been a bit of uh, paving the way, which sounds true. Um, my, one of my closest musical collaborators, Craig Coland, who uh, founded, co-founded the band Shaman's Dream and is sort of responsible for my working relationship with Sounds True. Um, we'd done a record before that called Kerala Dream, where he went to Kerala, India, which is where uh, Amaji's from. It's a southern province. And there's a lot of musical fusion happening there, and he recorded some really great artists and brought it back. And we uh, we did kind of a, a what you'd call a down-tempo or trip-hop kind of treatment to this uh, traditional music and used it as a score for Shiva Ray's, one of her yoga DVDs. Um, Sounds True picked that up, and they really liked it, and it had a hefty amount of just simply traditional uh, Indian music. We entire songs where we didn't really alter them that much, and then I threw in a couple of of sort of remixy type sounds uh, in there, and they really loved it. And and after that, they just basically asked us to come up with anything that we felt was that cutting edge kind of sound that that uh, they thought they might be able to kind of pump out into the market. So I just I just got this in the mail. Carol Dream. Just moments ago, and I haven't listened to it, and I'm really, really excited. So it's in my hand, and I'm looking at it, and it's talking about down, down tempo urban beats. And I'm like, yeah. ooh, ambient textures yeah. for yoga, dance, meditation. And I love because I've spent a lot of time hanging out with Krishna Das. Okay. And you talk about ecstasy. It's like when you are chanting even just something as simple as Om with four or five hundred people. And I always take photographs at the events, and there's you know orbs everywhere, and smiles on everyone's faces, and we're we're crying and we're hugging, <laughs> and it's just it's such a beautiful experience how music just brings people together and just creates those feelings and opens the heart. And um, and having been to India and just come back, I'm really excited to get into this and kind of hear what uh, what y'all brought brought back from India. Yeah, it's a really special album. Um, you know, Craig uh, is a master percussionist and has played with Krishna Das a lot and, and uh, comes from the realm of just, he's just the most golden-hearted person I know and, and it comes through in his music so deeply that, you know, if he's playing with you, it brings you into this place of just total connection with oh. with your body, with what's happening inside of you, with with what makes you feel really good about about uh, about life and he so this in our way this was our first chance to really set our chemistry together and just kind of you know put that down on a record and the fact that it was woven with all this magic from india 
you know, many many people still find that to be the, the their most favorite record that uh, that we've done so far. So it sounds true. I guess just they kind of liked what what he was doing and what you were doing with him on that. And so when you came up with this new idea and you said, hey, how about this direction? They were like, all righty, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, and it actually started with one particular remix, uh, what's called the Nataraj, the Black Phone Mix. I, I uh, had gotten that single track from Jai and I remixed it and, ah. it over and they liked it and said, yeah, okay, let's go. That's um, fabulous. Yeah, and Jai came up with the title. We were wanting it to have a slightly... Uh, humorous kind of contemporary edge, just to sort of inflect the the, the non classical uh, no, sort of root of the album. So when he came up with it, and they said yes, I was excited because that that means they are definitely open to. Isn't that Hitch- Hitchcockian? What's that? Isn't that a little Hitchcock? It is a little, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so. A little, little bit of pop culture there. Well, I'm just, yeah. I'm I'm looking at. Uh, Carol a Dream, and there's a quote here from Krishna Das. In fact, he yeah. says the music of Shaman's Dream reveals the depths, the depths of the heart. Mm. The music of Shaman's Dream reveals the depths of the heart, and I thought that's so perfect because of how I introduced you, and I said that you know it's about going into the heart and opening the heart and and uh, finding and connecting with the bliss that's there. And so I read that, and I was like, oh, how yummy, how perfect. Yeah. That's that's beautiful. So, And you mentioned earlier, you said down-tempo. I don't know. I know that Dial-M for Mantra is down-tempo, but I don't know that everyone knows what up-tempo and down-tempo is. So what is a down-tempo or actually see on some of your CDs you call it down temple. <laughs> yeah, well, that was another sort of coin phrase that we came what up is with. That? Down tempo is uh basically a fusion of um I mean some people kind of know it as ambient slash chill out music. Mm-hmm. And it's down tempo was one of the earlier terms that was used in the electronic music scene to basically denote music that had been slowed down to a what's considered sort of non, I would almost say non-aerobic uh, pace. It's it's usually below about 110 beats per minute. Okay. And it can go down to anywhere around 70 to 80 beats per minute. And it's basically relaxing. It has a lot of elements of, uh, the beats themselves have a lot of elements of hip-hop. That is really interesting because usually when I'm doing my guided imagery work, my work is at about 72 beats and under. Mm, yeah. Because I'm taking people really deep and slow and getting everything in the physiology to slow way down. But you still want to have them up a little bit to be able to move. <laughs> yeah, and it's you know it's anybody's guess as to where it stops being down-tempo and where it becomes ambient. Usually when it yeah. gets slower, you tend to just remove more of the uh, sort of very repetitive rhythmical elements and start putting in more kind of just sort of decorative, um, what's considered more ambient rhythms. But, you know, down-tempo has a very kind of signature hip-hop kind of funk to it, and it it usually has that pretty much all the way through. Mm -hmm. Um, Some really big down-tempo artists were like Kruder and Dorfmeister and Thievery Corporation and uh, people like that who just kind of had this signature laid-back kind of sound to them. You know. mm-hmm. So that's pretty much down-tempo. It's, again, it's, it's morphed and fused into all kinds of things this day. So you can, in the down-tempo genre, there's sub-genres like side chill and trip-hop. And, 
Yeah. So is is any of this? I mean, you've listened to the, probably the Buddha Bar series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where would Buddha Bar fall in this? Definitely what's considered more global or world down tempo. Okay, so that that is down tempo. Yeah, definitely. Because that's the first thing that came to my mind when you were talking about that. Going well, what about my Buddha Bar collection? <laughs> yeah, Buddha Bar is fully laced. In fact, we just because uh, it's chill. It's song. chill out. It's yeah. chill. Yeah. But it definitely has like you know, it's got a beat. Yeah, that's the idea. You can still dance to it. You know, it's still it should be still somewhat danceable. Yeah. And some of the best down tempo DJs in the world can rock a dance floor just based on their choice of music and nice. how they layer it together. So nice. Yeah. So tell me, so tell me, with your background in blues and jazz and classical and and psychedelic rock, I want to hear about that. Yeah. How did that evolve into this this chill down tempo beats how did you become the chill guy well you know i was in uh i was in you know i attended college uh for jazz and classical and the overwhelming response from the teachers was that life as a straight ahead musician was really hard it was hard to make it um it was hard to get the kind of recognition and the and the the sort of security that that uh, popular musicians had and this is in Canada you were in Canada at the time yeah on Vancouver Island this uh, small town called the Nimo oh yeah 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 called Malaspina yeah great jazz program really really amazing uh, music scene there and at the time I you know I was really into computers most of my life and at the time I just discovered how to make music on computers and kind of felt this this intuitive rush of energy around that particular direction. It was actually shunned at school to be into electronic music. It wasn't considered music. Um, there was a lot of sort of very elitist attitude towards what music was at jazz school. Um, but I still had this sense that that was where I wanted to go. So as soon as I graduated, I, I just set myself to the hunt. I'm like, what is electronic music and where do I get it? And I had no idea, really. I was so far into jazz at that point wow. that I, I had no clue of who was making good electronic music and where I could find it. And thankfully, to my grace and blessings, uh, a very well-known collective from Southern California called Moon Tribe, who's fairly well-known in the underground. They've, they've been throwing uh, full moon um, desert events for the last 15 years or so. Uh, out in the Mojave Desert with a huge sound system and some of the best DJs you'll ever hear. Oh, yeah. I saw that on your website. And, in fact, I want to I wanna direct people to your website because they can actually log on while we're, while we're speaking here. Yeah. So, Rara Avis Music, R-A-R-A-A-V-I-S Music, raraavismusic.com. And I'd have to say you really got the technology thing down now because... <laughs> Not only are you raraavismusic.com, and people can go on there, and I believe you have music clips on here, don't you? Yeah, I do, and I've actually just started a new page at Reverb Nation as well. You can go to reverbnation.com forward slash raraavismusic, and there's a brand new player there with tons and tons of music to listen to. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I also found you on Tribe.net. Mm-hmm, Tribe.net. Tribe.net. Yeah. 
tribe.net, and then we've got myspace.com. Yeah. Although you have a private setting now, so we can't find out too much unless we become your friend. <laughs> it's just about to be relaunched. That's why MySpace is in the okay. transformation. Because, yeah, we all want to be your friend. <laughs> I would love for you to be We'll friends. all be friends. We'll all sign up in MySpace as your friend. It's all about so, community. Tribe.net, and then your website. So, yeah, so people can go even while we're talking and listen to clips, and, and you do talk about Moon Tribe on there. Yeah. So they were key. That was really the thing that woke me up to the beauty of electronic music. And they came to me. I didn't even have to leave my little sanctuary of Vancouver Island. Wow. They they started moving up there, uh, some of the DJs and some of the key promoters, to basically take a break from the hustle and bustle of L.A. and through some of the most legendary outdoor parties ever heard of out there. <laughs> and it, I basically, it just literally fell onto my front doorstep, and here was you know, the exact sound I was looking for was just so much. And so I went on, on the road with Moon Tribe and ended up moving to L.A. because of them. And uh, from there... That's what I was wondering. It's like, how did you end up, you know, from the trees and the green and the, yeah. and the beauty out there, how did you end up in L.A. and the music scene there, going from like, oh, you'll never make it, it'll be so hard, to <laughs> yeah. going all the way to L.A. and doing it there? You know, it was really... a a blessing and I was very in touch with my heart and what my heart wanted and the, the way was paved through community and that's why for me community is so important um, absolutely if I didn't have you know hundreds upon hundreds of moon tribers lovingly inviting me to LA I never would have gone you know it would have been way too overwhelming um, so when I got there I was literally just with open arms welcomed into an amazing family of people all who have learned to shine in the midst of, of one of the most insane urban centers you can imagine. <laughs> I mean, L.A. will test you to the limit, yeah. you know. Well, it sounds like it was one of those just turning point blessings that you look back and go, wow, that really took me down a path. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. it ignited my need to create. Partly, partly why Moon Tribe thrives is that you have to create in order to to sort of combat the separation and the isolation and the anxiety that living in a place like L.A. can produce. I was going to say, you can do that in L.A. because energetically, when I go to L.A., I, something about it, even though it's kind of fast-paced, it's like I get really slow and sometimes yeah. I'm like trying to think and it's just, it's a really different energy because I'm in the Pacific Northwest, right. Seattle, Washington, It's re- and to me the air is just cool and crisp and I'm alert and I'm ready to go and I go to LA and I just turn into a slug mm-hmm. and I get sleepy and I get kind of fuzzy and it's just a very, I don't, I, I can't imagine going there and just being this, this wealth of creativity. Yeah. It could be that partly, the because I already was aware that the epicenter of many musical paths uh, is LA anyways, mm-hmm. I was already intrigued by what L.A. had to offer, and I think my experiences in in ecstatic dance, being that that was how I was first even introduced to L.A., actually the first time I got there, I literally drove through it and went out to the desert and danced Mm. for three days. So I was coming back into it from that experience, and any time I felt overwhelmed by L.A., whether it was, you know, bogging me down, because I can totally relate, you know, it's like I felt all kinds of feelings of non-productive and just not totally in touch with my inspiration i would just go and dance and i would just dance my heart out and once once it started coming to me in my body uh 
you know, then I could go and create with that feeling. So. Sure, absolutely. Well, and it partly could be that L.A. has really good food, and I go and eat things that I'm not usually uh, usually eating. That's a big so, part of it, sure. They have sprinkles cupcakes in L.A. <laughs> I, uh, I, I tend to have one or two when I go, and so, you know, a little, a little sugar, which you think would help. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, so beautiful. And is that, I believe Shiva Ray's from down there. Is yep. that where you hooked up with her and the, the her projects and working yep. with, with her? Yeah, it's a small world down there, particularly yeah. if you live on the west side near the beach. Um, most of the people I think that uh, particularly are active in the yoga scene are out near Santa Monica, Venice, that kind of area. So there's one large yoga studio where... Uh, once I met Shaman's Dream, we would all play every other week, and that's where Shiva teaches. And so it was just a matter of time before we all met up and actually started performing live in her class. And really? Yeah, we, we did a long stint of a couple of us. We would go to to play live music and yoga classes a lot. Oh, you're kidding me! Live music? At, I mean, we have live music at yoga studios, but not when classes are taking place. As far as I know, I've I've never seen anything like that in Seattle. Yeah, it's a really unique relationship. You're just sort of providing improvised soundtrack for the yoga class. Nice. Yeah, it was a very great place to practice, being very present. Well, and she's got the moves, too. She knows what she's doing. I, I yeah. had the chance to do a retreat with her and Krishnadas and Ramdas out in Hawaii. And Beautiful. Not only was the scenery and you know the place a little oasis, but being able to, to be there in, in that kind of lush tropical environment and stretching and just feeling how good the, the body felt. And she's, yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Well, God, just blessings all the way around rushing to you. I, what were you doing to, I have to ask this because it's such a hot thing now, what were you doing to manifest, to attract this to you? I mean, what what were your your feelings or your thoughts on a daily basis that, that kind of allowed this to show up at your door? Well, I have always had, uh, I mean, for one thing, which has been really helpful, is that I have parents that totally support what I do. Mm-hmm. They put me through music school. My mom's an artist. My dad's an amazing veterinary surgeon. Both of them are really, really key as far as me feeling comfortable as an artist and I think that mixed with just this essential faith that I've always carried in my heart and in myself that I know that uh, particularly once I stumbled across the power of music Mm -hmm. and used it within myself I was in a car accident when I was 17 where uh, I ruptured my intestines really badly and basically did enough damage to myself where I was right on the line of whether I was going to survive through it. And it was my discovery of music within singing and breathing and toning um, that allowed me to re- rehabilitate myself back to health. And uh, so I just had this real keen connection with music and how important it was for me. Um, and I just wanted to share that gift with everybody. And I felt like I knew enough about what was happening in our culture and what's happening in the world that these kind of gifts, if you're given them and if you realize what they what they mean and can use them to to help, that you'll always be supported. There's so much, uh, I feel like there's so much need for people to be taking what gifts have been given them and actually stepping into sharing them with other people. 
um, that if you have if you feel that call and you start sharing then the universe just does an amazing uh, conspiring to support that sharing moves mountains yeah moves mountains for you so when you are on stage accepting your Grammy you'll be thanking mom and dad absolute <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like the kind of moment you kind of you have to rehearse every once in a while because you never know if you're going to say the right things but that's that's just my knee joint reflex. Well, I look forward to that moment because I truly feel that that we we we've heard some amazing things, but I know that there's more coming, and I'm just really really excited about that. So. Oh, well, thank you, Julia. So, appreciate it. Yay! So yay for mom and dad. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Good job. So childhood influences. What were your childhood influences? Uh, in your your musical career, because I remember, you know, Christmas presents for me being, you know, a little kitty xylophone and a guitar and accordion, mm-hmm. I think a harmonica, mm-hmm. and I was really good at the kazoo. Yeah, nice. <laughs> but that doesn't help me with you know any keyboard playing nowadays or being a good tabla player. So. Yeah, sure. So how about you? Did your parents shower you with with uh, instruments? I know you play the guitar. Yeah, I, I couldn't go way back, and I remember with the recorder and that kind of thing, you know, oh early God. early on in school, choir class, I was always doing choir. I did trumpet for a long time during uh, junior high, and I always had a real love for music uh, of very, very different uh, cross-hatch of genres, but it's really my, my parents' record collection that really got me, you know, Pink Floyd, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix. Um, this was stuff that was like staple Every day on my way to school, on the way back, my dad would be playing, you know, recordings from his his vinyl. And Sundays, he'd always sit around and read books and listen to like, you know, David Bowie and just Frank Zappa and all these awesome. He had a really, really killer selection, and they both have great taste in music. Um, and being that they were in north of London in the '60s, they'd experienced a lot of it firsthand. Oh yeah. You know, could remember seeing a lot of these cats live. So I used to look at the artwork and sit there totally amazed by all of it. And really, I, I still remember the day I first put on uh, Jimi Hendrix and listened to Purple Haze and turned up the volume and it like hit me in my spine and my spine started tingling and I was just totally taken, you know, I mean, on some amazing journey. So it was really that. I think I was about 12 years old and whether I was just starting to really awaken within myself to my own empowerment, and that was a really big part of it. That was when it started to switch in me, and I picked up the guitar and had an intense focus to want to learn. Well, and whatever does that for you, I mean, for some people it's guitar that just, like, tingles you alive, and other people it's percussion, Mm. and for some of the the people I talked to today in the food industry, it's food. This woman I talked to is an amazing wedding cake designer, and, you know, she creates this, this art, mm-hmm. and and hours later people consume it and it's gone. Beautiful. <laughs> but it's like whatever like, gets that going in you. So yeah. So guitar definitely. Yeah. And what else do you play? I don't remember. Well, um, by the time I got to music school, I started uh, kind of broadening out into you know piano, piano theory, keyboards, percussion. Yeah. Uh, took a lot more vocal training, um, and then. What was amazing was learning that, because as I started to want to learn more and more instruments, I realized that I didn't have the time to sit down and actually master the technique of each instrument. Um, you know, I messed around with a few more uh, 
uh, before I I realized that the computer provides you uh, a platform for actually expressing yourself on instruments that are beyond your technical reach. So now I tell people that I'm a multi-instrumentalist, but I play the laptop. Because mm. <laughs> it really does allow me. I can actually compose a tabla performance uh, using pre-recorded strikes on a tabla, and I know what it sounds like. Oh, I nice. just don't have the technique to actually play it, but I can do it on the computer. So that's kind of when I stopped teaching myself new instruments, although lately I've been really digging on the didgeridoo. <gasps> yes. And uh, any, you know, I... Well, also, and talk about a healing instrument, too. Yeah, that's the thing is, I'll learn sound healing instruments because I love giving one-on-one therapy and have had myself a long background in doing sound healing. And so, I was going to say, you're a sound healer, I'm a sound healer, so so the question that I have to ask you is, have you ever been ditched? Oh, yeah, I've been fully ditched. Okay, because I love the ditch on the front, I love the ditch on the back, yeah. into all the major organs is the yummiest, transportive, most one of the most sound, healing sound experiences I think I've ever had. Me too. It's it's. Uh, I mean, I love to be gonged, but <laughs> being gonged is good. Have you ever been bowled underwater? No, I've uh, been bowled, you know, and forked. I've got my bowls, my fork. <laughs> <laughs> Stick of forking me, I'm done. But exactly. No, right. I've never time. been. How do you do that? How do you bowl underwater? The uh, brass bowls, the Tibetan brass bowls, particularly the larger ones, yeah, I have a with a rubber rubber hammer or rubber mallet, yes. uh, you can sink it underwater and strike it, and it. Uh, be, partly because sound travels faster underwater, it penetrates the body very deeply. And that's what I always tell people. I say it, tra- it travels through our body because we're 75% or plus water. Exactly. It travels through us faster than it does through the air. Yeah. So, well, how do you do that? You have it in the water. You have you strike it. Do you stick your head into the water? <laughs> uh, no, you can just hold it right up next to your belly, maybe an inch away. Huh. And, um yeah, ideally, if you have somebody who's trained in watsu or water dance and they yeah. can do aquatic body work, they can be holding you while the person oh. striking the bowl is moving basically around your body, underneath it, on top of it. And uh, you actually don't want to strike it too close to the ears because the volume is very intense. Right. So you want to keep it more, it's more of an organ, chest cavity kind of feeling. You can do feet, you can do hands. Uh, but it's amazing. It feels really, really incredible. Well, I don't know about our listeners, but I just feel like I got all my money's worth right now. And I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> this has been the greatest conversation. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Oh, my it's really gosh. It's a pleasure to share. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? What else have you got for us? That was well, awesome. <laughs> uh, I, you know, um, massage tables with uh, transducers implanted into them. I don't know if you've done that one either, but... Uh, no, but I've actually envisioned that, or I envisioned like sound creating a. Wa- um, here I am putting all my ideas out there. No, so by, someone, by all means. Yeah. So someone will create it because I probably don't have time in my life to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so whoever wants to create this, feel free to take my idea. Um, like a sound healing bed, but like a water bed mm-hmm. that you have the sound go into, and it could be a bowl, it could be tones, it could be whatever that goes into that. And while you're laying on it, and maybe it's light, and maybe it's colors, and all the other cool healing things, but then the sound travels through the waves in the water and goes into you too. And you may or may not have to get wet while you're in the bed. Yeah, you just go into the treatment room, lay on it, and something like I was just kind of just forming the idea of that and I just thought that would be that would be pretty yummy yeah 
And I actually have this theory about that because I've thought about the same thing before, and I feel like being that we're all connected, we are always thinking about these things, and if we think about them enough, somebody's going to go do it. Exactly. You know, and it's like, because I've had very similar thoughts, some kind of liquid or gel-based bed that you can lie in. Yes. Um, I know a guy that's developed a... You could have big speakers that go into it. You could yeah. have, you know, blue transmit it, and you yeah. just... And Headphones that you wear, whatever, and totally just feel it trance out, and oh my gosh! Yeah, it's even possible to do it with biofeedback, where you're actually remotely sensing your own body's rhythms uh, and using that to stimulate the bed, and then you're sort of getting into a relationship with yourself that way. So it's, there's a lot of potential in that in that realm of, of uh, vibroacoustics and frequency healing and stuff. Vibroacoustics. Yeah, how about this vibroceuticals? <laughs> That's a friend of mine, Alex Theory, who who uh, is an amazing awesome. sound healer, came up with that one because he's just all about, you know, the what he calls the new edge. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Well, yeah. we'll have to ask our listeners that anyone comes up with this or hears of this, feel free to let us know. Yeah, please. I would. Uh, I'd be the first one in the door to sign up for that because uh, I've been I've been dreaming dreaming that into existence for a while. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it'll. It'll show up in some catalog somewhere soon. Not part of my path, but um, yeah. But I'm excited about it. Yeah, me too. So fabulous. So one of the one of the songs um, I was just thinking about as you were talking was um, a song that I heard of yours. It was called Five Yesterday. Okay, yeah. It's just track number five on, on the, the EP called Shaktified. Shaktified. So it's called Yesterday, which yeah. is not related at all to Paul McCartney and, and the Beatles, right? No, no, it's not. So um, so if you could tell us a little bit about the title, what is Yesterday, uh, what is it about? Because it's so, it's so interesting because I'm listening to all these groovy beats, and then on this one there's a woman, mm-hmm. and she's speaking, mm-hmm. And she's saying some interesting things, and she's saying, "Be kind, be kind." I thought, "Oh, how nice!" He's building in these positive messages into into his music. So, I guess my first question is, "What is yesterday? What is it about? And do you find yourself wanting to make statements in your music, commentary, um, observations about life?" I would definitely say. I mean, I'll go on to say what it's about, but definitely, yes, I, I find that. Self-expression as a medium for making commentary is, is a beautiful thing. And yeah. ultimately, yesterday was inspired by this woman, Ginger Reynolds, who was uh, recorded uh, a good friend of mine, Eliza Jane, who's a musician. She's also uh, a dialectician. Went around the States uh, recording different dialects, and she gave me the CD when she got back of all these different interviews. And I listened through all of them, and this woman, Ginger, was by far the one that kind of took me on a journey myself, and it just spoke, the way she speaks to me speaks of a time, particularly in this country, when there was a lot of heartfelt love for what people thought of when they thought of the good things of America, what America was about, what it, you know, what's kind of written into the two, the sort of building blocks of America, what the dreams of America was, and whatever America is and whatever it's been in the past, I myself have always believed that that dream is a really important thing to hold on to because it's a dream of of sort of, you know, not only freedom but of 
community, of collectivity, of of uh, coming together to support each other, mm-hmm. of you know living beyond uh, the rule of sort of ancient authority, and and I feel really strongly that we're destined for that, and that we all have that within us to realize it, and it's really a group effort. So I definitely felt the community aspect from that song. Yeah, and. Um, want to remind folks again, it's raraavismusic.com, so if they want to go listen to clips and of, of your different music and your songs and, and check that out and, and kind of follow you, see what you're up to, touring in the studio, raraavismusic.com. Yeah, come check it out. And Ginger Reynolds, how did... So you've never met her. You just heard her on a CD. Yeah. And she's from... Middle America. She's from. It sounds like South. Yeah, South Carolina, I believe. South Carolina, and she's got this accent. And I assume that she was talking about President Bush, but the perhaps first president, actually. The first. Yeah. Well, no. She. Well, no. You're right. Yeah. She was talking about Bush, George W. Our current president okay. on his first term. So it was, would have been eight years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, and talking about. Um, you know, just some good, good, hearty, homegrown principles of just, you know, my my folks always told me, be kind, be kind, be kind. And then you come and you, uh, it's you singing later, right? That's right, yeah. You said, we all share the light of the same sun. And I'm like, oh, yeah. speaking to my heart, I love that. We all share the light of the same sun. That's right, we do. We share the light of the same sun. We breathe the same air, whether you are in India or you are here or you're in South of North Carolina, and we're all breathing the same air. We're all, you know, eating food from the same earth. Yeah. Yeah, and it's amazing how simple it is and can be when you want to talk about unity. It doesn't really mean everybody has to agree. It's just, you know, like she's saying, if you treat everybody with kindness and you recognize that we're all human, we're all here under the same sort of setting, um, it really takes away any reason to, to be separated or even, you know, opposing as far as your views. Um, you know, I was born in England. I, I grew up in Canada. I live in the States. I often find that it, it's very common for people to want to create distinction and say, well, I'm, you know, I'm this and you're that. And I feel like at the end of the day, we're all talking about the same thing. You know, there's massive... Uh, amounts of strife in the world and I don't even know if people really know what they're fighting over anymore but ultimately if they really just stopped and recognized these simple things about life I, I don't see how they could continue fighting you exactly know? well and it's interesting that you call it distinction because in the work that Matt and I do with each other we call it separation it's mm-hmm. like we're constantly creating things that we are separate from by yeah. developing our or listening to our egos and getting identified with that and sometimes even spiritualized egos mm. and you know I'm a better healer than you oh, and yeah. I'm of a higher vibration than you yeah. and creating continuing to perpetuate and create separation that way when really what you know we're working toward and and so many people are is opening up the the whole interconnection and oneness and there is no better greater then um, even in my saying that, it's like I'm not trying to make myself better than the people who 
who say we're better than. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> because then I'm doing the same thing. Yeah, and it's amazing how how many points along the journey it's easy to fall into that. You know? Exactly. And uh, and it's really my experience has shown me is that it's just a, it's about resonance. It's about when we're around people where we're all resonating on the idea that there is no separation then you just don't separate yourself. It's, it's that simple. When I'm alone and I'm walking amongst a bunch of people that everybody feels alone, it's very hard to hold that, that sort of uh, sense of connectedness, and I have to take a moment and stop and really check in. And You know, I'm definitely always still working on that and ultimately seek to be around as many people as I can who feel the same way and then invite other people to come and join the party because it's, you know, Absolutely. it's hard to resist when you're in a room full of people that are all feeling connected. Oh, because it's a down-tempo groove. Yeah, yeah maybe that's what I'm trying Chill and get into the groove. <laughs> so, well, and that's what I do. It's like when life seems to be too overwhelming and too complicated, the technology is like I, I was probably the last person on the planet to get a cell phone. <laughs> I'll have one. Pardon? I don't have one. Oh, Okay, well, I wasn't the last one. Um, emails sometimes are too much, and, you know, yeah. it's like, I just like the phone. Give me the phone and that personal connection any day, which is yeah. part of the reason I love, you know, the Dr. Pat show and shows like this because it's, it's, it's about that voice and it's about the personal connection and reaching out to people. And the voice has vibration and it carries energy and... And I just, I, I love that. So when life gets too complicated or too much for me, I always go back into the sound. I go back into the ohm, go back to the chants. I go to a, a kirtan jam, and life is just simple, and it's ohm, and it's good. Yeah, there you go. Ohm is where the heart is. <laughs> <laughs> so how about you? I mean, what do you do to prepare for your... Your albums, your your next you know musical piece. Do you spend a lot of time just playing around in the studio, trying to find the right sound, the right feel? Do you get out in nature? Do you travel? I do all the above. I get my studio up to the cutting edge. I take whatever's newest and integrate it as far as what the latest um, sound generating tools are, what the latest software is. It all pushes the music forward exponentially so i connect with all my producing friends and say hey what's the latest coolest stuff and you know where do i get it and once i've got my studio really at a place where there's all this new stuff to explore then then yeah i work on getting in my body however i can do that i have a really i've been blessed with a, a really strong yoga practice when i need it um really strong breath practice uh i have always my community I listen to music that is really inspiring. Sometimes I go back. Sometimes I go forward and I check out what the latest. Uh, do you have an iPod? Is. I don't. I, I don't either. Actually, <laughs> yeah, but I do shop a lot online, and my laptop is loaded. And I'm uh, usually. What's you know, on your playlist? Uh, currently on my playlist is this producer from Europe called Dead Mouse, mm. who produces uh, what you would probably refer to as electro house. Um, Dead Mouse. I'm taking notes. Yeah, okay. it's but the S is the number five, and it's D E A D M E A U five. Dead mouse. U five. Okay. Also Trent Muller, T R E N T E M O L L E R. Okay. And probably uh, those are more like just straight for the dance 
the more like what I would consider electronic side of things. Uh, not that you'll find a ton of, of like the juicy devotional side of things. If you want to hear one group that I'm really loving from Sweden is called Vibrosphere. Mm. So it's V-I-B-R-A-S-P-H-E-R-E. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, particularly their slower stuff, their down-tempo uh, stuff is just gorgeous and it's, Totally angelic and very beautiful. Oh, lovely! Yeah, so they've uh, they've been in there quite a bit lately. Um, so that's part of your pleasure time, your downtime, your uptime, your <laughs> inspiration. Yeah, very much so. And then, like I mean, nature. Mm-hmm. Gotta have nature. I'm about to go to Hawaii and spend weeks in the ocean and just you know connecting with the volcano out on the Big Island and with the juice of the plants and just really being uh, being as close to nature as often as possible because there's so much there. Absolutely. I mean, the flora, the fauna, the creatures that yeah. we don't see anywhere else. and It's yeah. really, really special. Yeah. And, um, you know, I get a lot of inspiration from my, my beloved partner and uh, her son. Mm-hmm. They're both really, I'm very close with them and they're, they're kind of a big part of my my social world right now. It's reduced from you know many previous years where I've just had like tons of access to tons of friends, and now I live up in the country, and 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 I really get a lot of juice out of just more deeper single connections that I can really rely on and and feel uh, consistent with. So um, I think that both of them allow me to kind of really relax into a part of myself that I'm just now learning about kind of a part of myself that's actually more, I would almost say more mature and kind of grounded, mm. which is brand new for me. Beautiful. Yeah. Congratulations. Kind of, thanks. Yeah. So. Continuing of the journey and more openings and yeah. And uh, that's beautiful. So And your travels are taking you to Hawaii. Yeah. Really excited about that. And when you travel, do you take the guitar? You create music as you go, or? Yep, I take the guitar. I'm going to actually. Craig of uh, Shaman's Dream lives just moved to the Big Island, so he's got a full studio over there. And Amani, is it Amani? Yep, lives in Santa Fe. Amani friends. So these are. Oh wow, you guys are all spread out. So because it seems like you're frequent collaborators and uh, and good friends. Yeah, we collaborate a lot over the internet. Oh, okay. Uh, by sending small files back and forth, and then we get together. I'll go out to Santa Fe, and I've spent a bunch of time out there in the past. I was listening to all the CDs and kind of going through your collection, and I thought, I wonder what it's like when these guys get together. If they, they go, oh, I want to create this, I want to contribute that, this is, you know, I want to explore and express this. Or Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's been a really amazing process, and... Uh, on the bright side of things, we have an amazing ability to just kind of put our egos aside and um, be very co-creative, I think, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're able to voice you know, our feelings and opinions about what it is that we want to create and how we're going to create it and talk fairly openly about what that is. I would have to be honest and say on the darker side, particularly when there's money involved, it's we've all grown a lot by being very challenged and sometimes rubbing against each other. And we have a lot of love for each other, so that helps us through uh, the times where we're trying to... You know, the business is a very challenging environment, and intellectual property, creative property, <laughs> understanding how that all works, understanding how not to get 
um, basically swingled out of your out of your rights, and it creates a very overprotective atmosphere a lot of times. And and so we've all you know succumbed to that uh, as a group and had to work through that. And I I think it's our it's the bonds that we've created through music and the times of ritual that keep us uh, connected, regardless of what comes up and what we have to face. You know. It definitely seems like you guys have been together long enough to have worked through a lot of those kind of things. And and I'm sure even in beautiful, ambient, soundscape, you know, kind of music, and you, you guys probably have your own VH1, you know, behind-the-music backstory. I'm sure you do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and we're in the golden age right now. We've actually just moved through what we're all pretty sure is kind of particularly last year, just the last chunk of, of, of sort of, uh, you know, nice. unearthing the, the dark and really taking a look at it and seeing. Because it's really, it's such an intimate way to connect that you're, it's like any relationship, you're going to be faced with all the things that you didn't ever want to look at exactly. yourself. So. And we are coming out into the light and almost to the end of the show. This has just flown by. I can wow. spend hours and hours talking with yeah, you. Yeah, it's crazy. But before we go, just, just real quickly, what, is next for Rara Aziz? What what dream is currently alive in your heart right now? Well, it's definitely producing more. I'm going to be touring this summer with a great band called Medicine Drum. Mm. Uh, it's an honor to be pulled onto that roster. It's uh, it's headed up by um, a close brother by the name of Chris Decker, who's the founder of the Earth Dance uh, International. Earth Dance is the largest oh, yes, yes. globally synchronized event. Yeah, they, I think it's over 300 cities this year. So it's basically his band. It's kind of a tribal techno fusion band, and I'll be doing the, uh, all the electronic side of things, beats, bass lines, and the synthesizers and playing guitar. So we're going we're gonna to tour uh, for some of the major festivals on the West Coast this summer. And at the same time, I'm going to be conceiving the next Ra Ra V solo album that'll be coming out on Six Degrees. It'll be a follow-up to Beneath the Radar, which was my 2003 That's right, solo Return to record. the Mystic State. That's right. And it's so. really all about embodiment and getting back into a... Uh, well, we will we will have to return to the mystic state with you when we have more time, Rara. That's a good plan, yeah. So raraavismusic.com, check it out. Find out about his new music and touring as we bring today's show to a close. I thank, uh, I thank you, Rara, for joining us. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. It was a real pleasure. I'm very grateful for all the things you've asked. And Absolutely. Thank you. It's been, a, it's been a pleasure, and we wish you all the best. And thanks. Special thanks to Dr. Pat for letting me share this time with you. I'm Julie Dittmar, and until next time, wishing you more beautiful music, more joy and love in your heart. Om Shanti Shanti Om. Bye, everybody.
simply don't know how he continued to be elected. He can't find anybody who voted for him, yet he continued to be elected. However, I personally am all for whoever, whatever, wherever they come from or whoever it is that will try to save this country. We're, you know, we're in need of being saved. And if he can come up with the answers, I will support him 100%. Hi everybody, this is Ron Amatron from the Creation Lightship. So we're going to have another uh, session tonight of healing, and we'll be working with uh, entities. 